When you look around your church on Sunday morning, do you feel like your church reflects you? Does it reflect the mission that God has given you as a church? And does it reflect the community that your church sits in or serves? If the answer is no to any of these, then it may be time to be more intentional about your role as the cultural architect of your church. Here's one thing that I know about your church. You have a culture and it's being created by someone. And if you aren't being intentional about how your culture, then someone else is creating it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to show you exactly how you can be an intentional cultural architect of your church so that you can be effective in how you do ministry and how you reach your community. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a wonderful day. If you're new with us today, my name is Dr. Brandon Party Cooper. I'm the founder of Ministry Hackers, and the number is four. That's right, four. Four days away from the launch of our very first challenge here at Ministry Hackers, How to Skyrocket Your Pastoral Staff's Productivity Challenge. We're kicking it off in four days, May 3rd. We're going live at one o'clock central time for five days. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you lead pastors exactly how to skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. Now, it's not just about productivity. That's not the point. The point of it is so that you as a lead pastor can know that you are pastoring a growing church and you have more time with your family. And isn't that what we all want? We want to be great pastors who are doing God's will and who are making things happen, advancing the kingdom of God without having to sacrifice time with our family, watching our kids grow up, be with our spouses, having date nights. That's what we're wanting. And so that's what the challenge is designed to do. So May 3rd, in four days, May 3rd, we're going to launch. We're going to go live for five days. It's completely free. Um, and so jump in there, go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge and sign up. All you have to do is put your name, Put your email. We'll send you everything you need. Um, and we're going to walk you step by step through the five days and show you how to skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. And here's the best part. This is one of the things I love most about it is that we're going to show you how to do something that you're already good at, but probably aren't doing it the most effectively. It's not It's not all about tools. It's not all about systems. It's not all of that stuff. It's being exactly who you are in, in a way that's more effective than the way you're doing it now. And so five days or four days. We're going to go live for five days, one o'clock central skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. Uh, go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge. Be a part of it. I'm super excited. My co-host, Dr. Jason Baca is super excited. Everybody who's getting ready for it is super excited. So I hope you uh, will join us. Ministryhackers.com slash challenge. Sign up today. Be ready on Monday because we're going live at one o'clock central. So as I mentioned, Dr. Jason Bach is very excited, and he's with us today. So uh, go ahead and come on in, Jason. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? It's going well. It's going well. It's Thursday. It's almost the weekend. You know, we're kind of getting ready for all that. The, the challenge is just a few days away, so I'm yeah. doing pretty good. I Now, I will say, I got my second vaccine yesterday, so my arm feels like a mule kicked me, <laughs> and my head is hurting a little bit. So, so 
minus all of that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> well, good, man. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to the challenge as well. Uh, it's been a lot of work on the back end for us, but it's all worth it. You are worth it, uh, fellow pastors yes. out there. Um, so, yeah, feel free to join us. Uh, it's skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity, ministryhackers.com slash challenge. We're going to start sending you some information now to get you prepped and ready so that Monday you're ready to hit it. And in just five days, four days from now, but five days over the challenge, uh, skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. And I love what you said, Brandon. Not just, okay, we have a pr more productive staff. That's great in and of itself. But the benefits of that is that you then get to pastor a growing church that is in the hands of well-equipped, high-productive leaders, taking a lot of stuff off your plate that shouldn't be on your plate to begin with, and freeing you up, making things far more productive so that you can be at home with your family more often and, and have the peace of mind knowing that the church is growing, the church is healthy, it's under great leadership, under your leadership, and you get to have, kind of have your cake and eat it too. And all of that, right. we are going to try to accomplish with you in literally just five days together. So ministryhackers.com slash challenge. I can't wait, man. I'm super excited. So as I mentioned yesterday, what we're doing over these next three days, so yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is we're kind of on the on-ramp. We're, we're ramping up into the challenge that's starting on Monday. And we're talking about uh, topics that are going to help us in understanding what's going on in the challenge. So um, today what we're going to talk about is how you, as the lead pastor, how you can be more intentional as the cultural architect of your church. Now, before we jump into the how, Jason, why don't you unpack for all of us exactly when we say culture, what are we talking about? What does that mean? Yeah, I love what you said uh, at the opening of the podcast, which is your church has a culture. It's just it a matter of who is uh, influencing it, right? I remember, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Brandon and I, uh, we both have our doctorate degrees, which ultimately means we had to read a whole bunch of stuff and write a whole bunch of papers, right, about uh, leadership specifically. And one of the big topics was culture, right, because that's one of the, the most prevalent things. And one author that I remember reading, Edgar Schein, I believe his name uh, is, uh, he's real, real famous in the leadership circles. Um, he, he has said something in one of his books that has stuck with me. It's like it was one sentence and it just stuck out. And he said, uh, if you don't, if you as a leader are not intentional about cultivating a culture and tell people like what is really important about your culture, your organization, then somebody else is going to. Meaning yeah. not only will other people determine for themselves what should be important or what values we should hold or whatever culture, but they will start communicating that to other people and they will be the right. cultural architect. So there's going to be a cultural architect of your church at one way or another. Right. And, <laughs> and so our big contention is that should be you, the lead pastor. That would make sense, right? So, so yeah, real briefly before we jump into the, like the three practical things you can do, start doing right now to start cultivating and being the architect of the culture is just, let me just paint for you kind of a working definition. Because culture can feel kind of nebulous, right? It kind of like, yeah. it's just this big enigma. Culture, what is culture? It's like holding water in your hand. Exactly. Like, what is that? Or trying to grab smoke, you know? Like, it's just yeah. like, this. It's, there's nothing. What, what are we holding on to here? So yeah. the, the firm, concrete thing we can hold on to, at least for our definition, is just simply this. Culture is the end result of values, instilling values in people. And what a value is is simply the understanding of what is important about life. 
That's all value means, right? Like I have this value. That just means I think that this is important about life. And so for our context, we're talking about life in ministry or life in our churches. So really culture is just you as the lead pastor communicating quite repetitiously over and over and over what is important about life in this church, right? What is important about life working here on staff here? What is important about life in in our context? And so the more that you keep communicating what you really believe is important about life in your church, the more you are thus creating culture in your church and influencing the culture. So big picture, that's basically all culture is, is what we believe here at this church is really important about life. Well, and one of the biggest things that informs that is the mission that God has given you and your church. And so, you know, if you're a church that is, you know, your mission is to reach the, you know, reach the homeless in your city. Well, that's then going to inform the values that you then reinforce and create culture out of, you know. So part of it is just knowing what your what your mission is and being clear with, you know, in your relationship with God. What exactly are we as a church called to do? Um, because that's going to inform a lot of those values and inform the culture that you're creating. So, you know, we got we have to start with that. What What is the mission? And so, um, okay, so then once we understand, okay, this is the culture that I want to create and understanding that I'm not being intentional since somebody else is going to create it another direction. Mm-hmm. There are three very easy, very simple things that create culture. And, they go, and, and it's not just in church, across the board. If anybody is wanting to create culture, these are three simple things that you can do to do that. And so the first one is you create memories. One of the things that every culture has is it has shared memories among the members of that community. And so yeah. when you think of your church, you think of your congregation, there are, or there should be, and I hope there are memories that you all share. Now it may be, you all share the memory of a revival that happened 20 years ago, um, <laughs> but you share, you share that memory and that then comes up and it reinforces. So let's say you're a new pastor. Let's say you're, you're, you're a pastor who is new to the position you're in. You're new to this church and you're not really a part of a lot of those shared memories. You need to create new ones. Right. And you do that by having events, having moments, you know, even some of the, like, I remember, you know, growing up, some of the, like the funniest memories that we as a congregation had were mistakes that the pastor made on a Sunday morning. And he would <laughs> laugh about it. He would make jokes that he would bring them up later. But what it did, and I now that I'm older and I realize looking back, I think he was being very intentional. Hmm. He would bring up those embarrassing moments because number one, it humble, it kept him humble. Number two, it endeared us to him. Right. And then number three, it was a shared memory that we all laughed about together. And even if you were new, even if you were new to the church and you didn't live it, when he would retell the story, then you were now a part of that story. So even though you didn't live it at the same time, you now had a shared memory with everybody else in the room and you felt a part. You felt a part of the culture, felt a part of the church, and it became your home because you had that shared memory. And man, I think you, the most optimal word that you just used as well is shared, right? Like in any type of cultural talks or discussions, if you read books about culture, it's gonna keep coming back to that word shared. Like it can't just be something that you kind of like authoritatively, unidirectionally just communicate, communicate, communicate. It has to be shared. It has to be shared values. It has to be shared memories. Yeah, and ideally around something that is fun or enjoyable to think about, right? And so what I love about this whole creating memories thing is 
that it allows you to communicate what is most important about life together in this church without actually saying words, right? Because right. there are shared experiences. <clears throat> so for instance, if you like if you quite regularly like give people time off, what you're communicating is it's important in life to take time off, right? Yeah. If you quite regularly work people to death, then what you're communicating about your culture is it's really important in life to get work to death and, and burn the yeah. candle at both ends and you know suck it up and just keep pushing. Like whatever it is that you're doing is creating memories for people and it's creating right. memories through experience and you're ultimately communicating what it is you really believe is important about life. And so, yeah, it's, that's why no, number one, that's you hit it on the head, man. Creating memories is like one of the most important um, ways to go about doing this and being intentional about it, absolutely. Exactly. Okay. So number one is create memories. Number two is affirm behaviors that reinforce the culture that you're wanting to create. And so, you know, one of, you know, one of the people that I learned from on this is, is pastor Scott Wilson. He is great at this. So he pastors, uh, you know, he has been a pastor of a church for 30 years. And one of the things that he has done is he showcases all kinds of behaviors throughout the church that we value. Um, so whether it was, you know, showcasing a volunteer who went the extra mile to serve somebody or whether it was, you know, somebody who was serving their community or somebody that went out of their way to, you know, help a family in need, whatever those shared values are, whatever the things that you are wanting to infuse and reinforce in your culture, you need to affirm those. And and sometimes it's affirming them from the stage and, and you know, maybe you put up a video or you tell the story, whatever. But more importantly, you're going to the person and you're affirming what they've done. You may hear through the grapevine something that somebody has done. And if that's reinforcing the culture that you have in your church and you're wanting to create, go to that person. You know, I, we learn as parents all the time, you know, affirming behaviors is a lot, a lot more effective than telling our kids not to do things. Right. Um, and it's super hard not to tell them <laughs> to not do it, but it's way more effective if you affirm a behavior that you want to see over and over. Well, as adults, not, that doesn't really change. You know, if you tell a group of adults, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. At the end of the day, they're going to be like, look, I'm an adult. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> but if you affirm a behavior, if you affirm a behavior in them, then they're going to want to create that behavior again. They're going to follow through. And it infuses the culture of your church uh, with more of that same behavior. And not only to that person, but then other people see that behavior. And then it just reciprocates. And before long, you have a culture that is is a you know is reflecting the values you're wanting through the behaviors that you're wanting to see. Yeah, I love what you said there at the end about other people seeing you validating others' behaviors, then it makes puts it in them to want to also act that same way. You know, it's it I don't know why but what just popped into my head just now is like the Lord using Gentiles to make Israel jealous, you know? Like right. all the love and affection he's showing to people who are quote unquote not his people it like turns the heart of Israel, makes them jealous. Like, hey, wait a minute, that's my God, you know? And so <laughs> like, I don't know why that popped into my head. It's probably not a good analogy or example, but it's it's kind of the idea of like when you're, or even with children, right? When I affirm my son and go, wow, you did such a great job. Like immediately see my daughter like wanted like, oh, I can do that too, you know, because she wants that same affirmation. Because what I'm implicitly communicating Invalidating my son's behavior uh, is that this is important. 
Like what you just did is really important around here. And so you should be, you know, honored in this moment or celebrated. And so, yeah, absolutely. Creating memories, number one. And number two, just by simply affirming people's behavior, positive behavior, not only is going to cause them to want to do that behavior more, but it's going to cause other people who see that affirmation to also want to jump in and like, yeah, I want to be a part of what they're doing. I want to act like that too. I want to think like that too. And thus, boom, you got yourself a nice little culture cooking. So what's number three, man? So number three kind of wraps all of the first two together. So you you create memories, you have events, you have situations, whatever, where the memories are created. You know, you affirm behaviors by going to individuals and saying, hey, that was so great that you did that, love that, whatever. And then it, and then when other people see it, 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 you know, reciprocates over and over. But then the third thing, thing is you need to tell those stories, tell Victoria stories and relive collective memories. Hmm. And so what, what happens is, is a lot of times as, as leaders and as pastors, we're, we're guilty of this, is we let those things happen out there and then we never bring that to the stage and then tell it again. Um, and, and when we do that, you know, kind of going back to us talking about my, my lead pastor when I was growing up, he would share those stories, not because the story was really all that important or was valuable, but it was because it drew everybody in. So one of the concerns for a lot of us as lead pastors is, you know, well, that happened, you know, then, and, you know, we have people all the time coming in who weren't a part of that. So we don't want to make them feel excluded. So we're not going to talk about that. Hmm. Well, what you're doing though, is you're cutting your culture right at the knees because you're not building on itself. Right. And so when you tell Victoria stories, especially Victoria stories, when you tell those and you talk about the history of your church and you talk about the great things that God has done and the great things that your congregation has done, when you tell those stories, then everybody wants to be a part of that. Everybody wants to join in. Everybody wants to, you know, Hey, that happened then, but we can do it again. Like it just creates all this energy and all this positive forward motion when you tell those stories. And then again, when you share collective memories, everybody's like, Oh yeah, I remember that. time." You know, know, and, and it's not everybody in the room. So, you know, let's say that, you know, one of the things that I love about the church that I'm at now, we do every year, we do a retreat for anybody that wants to come. We do this great, you know, three day retreat. And then for the next year, we talk about all the cool things that happen at the retreat. Now, obviously there are people in the room who have no idea what that was. But what it does is it creates this, you know, kind of like because you're talking with your kids, it creates this, oh man, I missed out on it last time. Mm-hmm. So I want to be a part of it next time. And so then they make more of an effort to come. And so you have those collective memories that are building on themselves. And, you know, if you do this pretty effectively and pretty intentionally over five years, you have a really strong culture. So when somebody comes in your church, they immediately know this church is about this. They value this. And I either do or do not want to be a part of that. Right. And yeah, I know that we mentally want everybody to be a part of our church, but quite honestly, that's not always going to happen. There are some people that need to go to the church down the street because it fits them better. If we're clear on our culture, then people come in and they're like, I love the culture of this church. I want to be a part of it. And they stay. Other people come in and say, this is not really my flavor. I'm going to go somewhere else. And that's okay. Yeah. And you hit, I think, I love what you said that some of the pushback can be, well, I don't want new people to feel excluded by talking about stories they have no reference point for, right? Right. When the irony is, that's actually how you teach new people what your culture is, is by this third step, like you just said, like reliving those memories, retelling those stories. I remember um, when I first got hired at the, we've talked about the big church that I was a part of, right? 10, Mm 15,000 people. When I first got hired, you know, I'm stepping in, 
I wasn't actually like attending that church before I got hired, right? So like I was attending a, a completely different church and then this church was hiring. I, I knew pastors who were there already. So they told me about the job opportunity. I came down, interviewed. And so, you know, uh, showed up on a Sunday or two, but I didn't really know like the life and culture of the church, right? I wasn't a part of the church before I really got on staff. So once I was on staff, I'm still meeting a lot of new people, especially because it was so big. Um, but there was, I rem for some reason, I remember somebody named Tim. So apparently before I got hired, about a year before I got hired, there was a guy who worked there named Tim. And so uh, unfortunately, he, I don't think he left in good graces. Um, so I didn't know him or anything, but I would hear people talking about Tim, uh, not in any sort of gossipy kind of way, but it just in passing, like, oh yeah, that Tim used to oversee that or, or whatever. Uh, or people would be asking me like, were you here when Tim was here? He used to do it like this. I'd, I'd actually love to see it done like this. And so I would keep hearing about this guy named Tim. Well, as the stories about Tim or just these little nuggets that were being dropped about Tim kept coming out, I kept getting like kind of uh, implicitly communication about what is important in this church because they would right. say, Tim did this well, Tim didn't do this well, like this, you know, and unfortunately Tim just kind of became like the <laughs> the scapegoat for all the bad stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but by them all kind of retelling these stories, again, it, it wasn't always gossip. Let me put it that way. Oh, some, sometimes it was gossip, but not always was it gossip. But by them retelling those stories, I got to learn very quickly as a new staff employee, like, okay, wh what is important to them? Like, as, as far as the church is concerned, what is important about life on staff here at this church? Like, what is important to them about how work gets done? And so, yeah, it's just one small example, but it is by telling those victorious stories that you get to, for lack of a better term, uh, kind of indoctrinate new people coming in as to what is important to us here. What is our culture? What are our values? What is important to life here? So yeah, as as much as it may feel odd to be telling stories, ideally not from like 1976, like hopefully you have something a little more, <laughs> a little more recent, a little more, yeah, exactly. Remember that revival we had back in the 68? You know, it's like, it's, yeah, Ho hopefully you've had some other <laughs> move of God since then. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that you cannot skip this step. Like it may feel weird. It may feel awkward. You may say nobody in here even remembers that person that I'm about to bring up but tell it anyway. Maybe you might have to take a couple of sentences to explain some context. But yeah, those right. stories of victory and those stories of celebration and those memories is is not only what reaffirms people who do remember those things, but it also helps welcome in and introduce new people to get a feel for your culture so that, like you said, to, to your point, ultimately they can decide, like, do I resonate with that? Or is this something I probably don't want to be a part of? Well, at the end of the day, when you have a culture that is fine-tuned, when you have a culture that's on mission, you become a more effective church. You become more effective in your community. You become more effective reaching people in your neighborhood. You just become more effective in what you're doing as a church. When your culture is all fractured and all kinds all over the place and you have little cultures here all you know throughout your church and nobody's in alignment, well, then you're just – you're there. You exist. You don't have a lot of forward motion. And as lead pastors, that's a lot of times what we run into. Like, hey, we want to launch a new small groups ministry and nobody's on board with it. Well, that means that your culture <laughs> is not really aligned with what you're trying to do. Right. You need to go back and do some culture work and do these three things before you try and launch you know, some new ministry. So that's a lot of times what we run into as lead pastors. We run into the culture fracture 
rather than just, you know, people being resistant. I love it. So from the top, number one, create memories. Number two, affirm positive behaviors and reinforce the culture that you want. And number three, tell victorious stories and relive those collective memories. So again, as, as Brandon said at the beginning of this, this is all kind of like by way of trying to, to get the momentum going into our challenge that we have coming up this next Monday, uh, May starting on May 3rd. And so this is kind of broad picture talks of culture, but specifically what we're going to cover in the challenge is creating a culture of productivity. Right, Brandon? Right. Can you walk us through this challenge and, and give one more push of why it's really important for a pastor out there to sign up? Yeah, so we're, we're taking this idea of culture and we're honing into your pastoral staff, creating a product, uh, a culture of productivity within your pastoral staff. And so, yeah, so for five days, we're going to show you exactly how to do that. Uh, for five days, we're going to go live at one o'clock central every day. Um, it's free for everybody who jumps in. Um, go to ministryhackers.com slash challenge. You'll be a part of it. And we're going to show you exactly how to skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. Um, and we're going to talk about how you're being intentional about building that culture of productivity not only to help them be productive, but ultimately to help you as a lead pastor, pastor a growing church and have more time with your family and have more time for your vacations, have more time on your hobbies, you know, ultimately to have more time to free you up to do things other than just ministry. And so, yeah, so for five days, we're going to unpack, we're going to step-by-step, we're going to make it really simple and um, really easy for you to do. And again, the thing I love most is that it's something you are already good at. Um, it's just a matter of taking what you're already good at and focusing it and and putting it forward. And we're going to use the Strengths Finder assessment, which takes a lot of the guesswork out of the process. Right. And so that's why tomorrow in our um, episode tomorrow, we're actually going to talk about the value of assessments and why they can help you be a better spiritual leader. So again, we're on this on-ramp into the challenge. So um, so for those of you who may not want to do the challenge, you're going to get three days of the challenge right here today, <laughs> yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then um, if you want to continue in the challenge on Monday, you're going to be ready and prepped to go. For those of you who are already signed up, I'm so excited because these three days are good uh, groundwork that are going to inform and help us kind of get further faster next week when we start the challenge on Monday. So, but tomorrow we're going to talk about assessments and how they can help you be a better spiritual leader. So super excited about that one. Um, yeah. And it, it'll be Friday. So the weekend's one, right around the corner. Yeah. One last plug about the challenge. Something that keeps coming across my mind is, you know, how often as ministry leaders do we spend literally years, years trying to grow and develop our churches, right? Trying to disciple, trying to pour into people, studying the Bible, studying theology, going to Bible college, like pouring years and years and years into our own personal growth and development for the sake of Christ, right? For the sake of God and for the sake of his church. And after all those years and years and years that you've already put into this calling that you're pursuing, to me, it's like, wouldn't it just balance it out just a little bit to take not years, but just literally five days, five days to just focus in on how to skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity so that after all those years and years and years of work that you've been building up until this point, that you can finally start to live the life and ministry that you really want and no longer live in this tension and this conflict between having to be at the church all the time and wanting to genuinely pastor a growing church or being with my family as much as they need me to be, or as much as I want to be. That like, if if you could really accomplish that in five days after all the years you've spent now in ministry, 
Like, is it not worth it? So just for one last one last go, this is all for you, uh, my friend. Ministryhackers.com slash challenge. I'll even put the graphic back up on the screen for you. <laughs> Ministryhackers.com slash challenge. Skyrocket your pastoral staff's productivity. It's going to be worth it. You've spent years four in four days, starting four days from now. Monday, May 3rd, uh, live 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. You've spent years developing these these skills and these crafts that God has called you into. Why not take just five days to focus yep. on developing a highly productive pastoral staff so that for years and years and years to come, you can benefit from having that really strong, high productive core leadership. So ministryhackers.com slash challenge. We get started May 3rd and I cannot be more excited. Super excited. Super excited. Well, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody, and we will see you tomorrow in the next episode. All right. See you.